Hey everybody, I'm so glad you could join us for episode 6 of our podcast, Chronic Warrior Pod. I'm Sita Gaia. I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I have epilepsy. My co-host is Jamie from Chicago, Illinois. She has epilepsy too and also thrives, as she would put it, with multiple sclerosis. Our podcast series is all about living with a chronic condition, the good times and the bad. We know you're all chronic warriors, 365 days of the year. Hi there, fellow chronic warriors. Today we are talking to Bree from Southern California. She also lives with epilepsy and has become an Instagram advocate for people in the same position. You can find her on Instagram at S-O-C-A-L dot epilepsy. You're going to find out how she found out that she has epilepsy. Ouch. And we're going to talk to her about the number one way of coping for her. Concerts. Brilliant. I love it. Well, if you come from northern climate, it's always important to talk about the weather. It's raining here in Vancouver, as usual. What's it like in Chicago, Jamie? It's snowing a lot here right now. I'm from Southern California. I wish we had weather. Um, (laughs) We just have four four summers. (laughs) Welcome, Bree. Thank you. Okay, so this is the part of the show when we talk about our obsessions. So we talk about things that we're like really obsessed about right now. I can't help it, but I have two this week. My fashion guru, Stacey London from What Not to Wear, is actually gay, which makes me super happy because she's a fashionista and she's queer. (laughs) And additionally, I got tickets to see my favorite slam poet with my friend. Friend Ashley in April. Do you have an obsession, Grace? Drag queens. I grew up with them. <laughs> there you go. Drag queens I are love fabulous. Them. <laughs> I love them. My grandma worked for a drag show in Vegas, and um, I didn't know. She called it a quote-unquote female impersonator show, and I grew up, and I was like, oh, they're drag queens. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right now, I actually bought my first uh, physical copy of a book in a long time since I got an iPad. And I kind of am obsessed with the fact that I have a book, not just something to swipe through, you know, kind of missed it. That's like really old school, hey? I know. I I can only read books because um, I had a concussion a couple years ago. And the screen, it bothers me after a while. How about we talk about your epilepsy story? I'm really okay. curious to know as to when were you first diagnosed and how? Okay, well, I was diagnosed at 19, but um, I think I might have had them sooner because I've always been someone to just kind of stare off and daydream. Um, but my cousin was staying with us for a summer, and one day, um, and we were sharing a room, and he woke up one day and he was like, I think Bree's having seizures in her sleep. And my mom was like, oh, I don't know, you know, because my mom only at that point knew about, you know, grand malls. And then 
one day I was trying to buy concert tickets and I asked her because I was, you know, still young enough to have to ask permission. Um, <laughs> and my sister's room is right across from my stairs. So all I remember is taking two steps backwards and I had a seizure and fell all the way down my stairs. And that's how they found out I had epilepsy. That's a, that's a dramatic step into having epilepsy. Literally, yes. <laughs> Falling is one of the big hazards of many chronic diseases. If you are unlucky, it can result in bumps, bruises, broken bones, concussions, among other things. When I fall, I tend to take fall like a board because my body goes rigid when I have a seizure. Fortunately, Bree was lucky. Yeah, I didn't hurt myself um, at all because, you know, you don't tense up when you fall. You just kind of go limp. A lot of people with MS have like a bad side. And so if you're having a bad day, then that will, your foot will drag. And it doesn't always drag it the way you want it to. And then you're down. <laughs> but I, I actually went to physical therapy for falling because I had a concussion. And, you know, you are, your natural instincts are to put your hands down, right? They, they say tuck and roll because then you're less likely to hurt yourself. Funny enough, I got that from football. Like, I, <laughs> I see all the quarterbacks, like, about to get sacked, and they just turn into a little snail, and they just don't get hurt. So I'm like, okay, yeah. you know what? I'll take it. Yay. I broke my arm six times, so I don't really need a seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't done the arms. I get the legs. Now it is what it is. We all have our bumps and bruises. Oh, yeah. The most painful for me was losing my teeth. That oral surgery is the most painful. Oh, really? For sure. Yeah, these ones are all fake. All of my top five teeth are fake. <laughs> when you got your diagnosis, did it change your life substantially, your personality, your outlook, etc.? Um, when I got diagnosed at first, um, I was bummed because my sister is autistic. Um, so I was kind of used to, you know, dealing with the disabled lifestyle already but it was you know third person or second person it wasn't first-handedly it was not something I had to deal with and I had to come to the terms of I need to not do what everyone else my age is doing just because everyone else my age is doing it and so that was hard to overcome because I had to do all my college in um in my bedroom I just did it online and I really wanted to go to the East Coast for school. Like I was planning on that, but yeah, you know, I just had to adapt to it and now I'm I'm glad that I almost have it kind of because it's made me a more, you know, positive person, a more patient person, a more grateful person, you know, more understanding person. So that's how it's changed nowadays. But back in the day, you know, it was oh no one will get this, no one will talk to me, everyone's gonna make fun of me. But I don't feel like that anymore. And if they do make fun of me, they're the piece of crap, not me, you know? Yeah. I like to say that it, it makes me more grounded. You yeah. Know, that you see what's, yeah, what's really important and it, how to work around it. I, I give up, like, you know, going out and partying type of thing. But that was never my thing anyway, so I really don't care. But the one thing that would devastate me is if I had to give up concerts because that mm -hmm. keeps me – Sane. That's like my outlet where I can just, you know, not have to really worry about anything and just see live music. And if I, you know, God forbid was photosensitive, I don't know how I'd get through it. 
I go to festivals. I go to concerts all the time. Uh, the main one I go to is reggae concerts hmm. um, because I did a report on them for my master's degree on well them on reggae and um i really got into the genre of how positive it is and how calming it is and stress-free it is and a lot of people think it's only about you know smoking weed but it's not at all so it's really really helped me and like if i'm having a bad day it's danceable it's fun you know <laughs> so i just put it on and i've gotten the chance to tell a lot of reggae artists that like you know you helped me get through you know, all these dark times in my life. And they're like the most appreciative people ever. They're like, oh my God, this is why I do this. This is so awesome to hear that. I'm like, okay, well you helped. <laughs> I like, I like country music and we went to a lot of concerts this year. Um, we took my kids to their first concert. We went to see um, Zach Brown band. And mm-hmm. I, th- <laughs> I think I'm from the country, but I never listened to country till I was older. And it was only because my husband. But one thing is they always have something about beer, dogs, um, their truck. yeah, their truck <laughs> in every song. You know, most of the crowd was like our age and up. So we like knew the song and my daughter who is 17 was like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's just a little bit different. So yeah, yeah. I was lucky to see, um, queen, um, a couple oh, years really? ago. Yeah, because that's Freddie Mercury. I would, I don't want this to sound literal, but I would sacrifice a couple people uh, to bring him back. Let's put that that way. And um, I got to see Adam Lambert do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was cool to see him do a couple of his songs with Queen, but then he did, you know, Queen songs for the most part. But mm-hmm. that one was my favorite. Or I saw Paul McCartney, and no. but he did a lot of Beatles songs, so that was cool too. Amazing. Yeah. I I um love Halsey and she's mm-hmm. bipolar one. So mm-hmm. her most recent album is kind of mostly about her bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. So she has just like such an interesting outlook, I think, on kind of like the world. And of course, when I was like a bit younger, when I was like I was like super into Red Hot Chili Peppers, so just kind of love like, them. <laughs> I'm. All in on Bree's coping style. Hey, anyone want a fun Chronic Warriors for concert going? I know at least one study says that concerts have a huge positive impact on your mental health. And mental health challenges are a given for most of us. Yeah, I was, I'm also diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder. Um, so for those that don't know what that is, it's basically depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder and anger disorder all mixed together. (laughs) So they don't, you don't quite fit enough in one specific diagnosis, but you kind of pull from all of them. Mm -hmm. So, um, that one's had me, anger has been the biggest thing for me with that one. Like I snap and, um, for this year, I got into a really dark spot because of, you know, or last year, um, because of the epilepsy. And um, whenever I'm having a bad day, I just put on like, you know, even if it's Disney music, like something to listen to, like, that I'm like, it's the only thing that, you know, I don't get angry at, or it's like, and if I am angry, you know, there's, you know, Marilyn Manson for that, you know, (laughs) it's helped me with um, the emotions of it. And like you said, Halsey has her song about, or is it a song or an album? Her album. 
there's a um there's a few reggae bands they're actually females uh lead singers and they talk about how they're bipolar and have mental health problems stuff as well and um how they coped with it through drinking and you know how now they're out of it but it's like you know it's nice to see other artists that are rock i guess and real about it rather than you know talking about like twerking <laughs> yeah so you know, celebrities go through this too so mm-hmm. they're real people yeah. yeah they're real people at the end of the day for the most part advocating for yourself is also one of the important things you have to learn to do especially if you have one of those invisible conditions it's sad because there's still that uh, stigma that uh oh we better like coddle them so like, if i wanted coddled i'd let you know exactly like i was saying like i would rather you know someone be like oh you look great today because you lost weight or you did your makeup not oh you have epilepsy let's be friends so you know i can you know feel that void of you not having a friend mm-hmm. like i i don't need that you know at all but it's like mm-hmm. Or the ones that are there when big things happen, but when you're like, I'm just having a bad day, can we go get lunch? Like, oh, I just remembered I have to take someone here today. You know, I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. As always. (laughs) Well, I would love to leave the house today, but that's not going to (laughs) happen. Not for me either. (laughs) God, thanks. Be thankful for DoorDash and stuff like that. In my case. Oh, I know. DoorDash and um, Uber Eats. Let me ask you this question because I feel like, okay, I get in the car with somebody uh, like um, an Uber or a Lyft or something and I'll, and I'll say, um, I can't drive. And then right afterwards I say, I have epilepsy because I think if you don't know about people not driving because epilepsy, the first thing you think is, oh, you have a DUI. Yeah. They think you have a DUI or they think worse than that they're like oh you're just lazy you know i don't think that's worse but you know what i mean they just assume like oh i don't want to drive and it's like i i usually tell them and like because you know i'm like oh yeah thanks for picking me up i can't drive and it's usually oh how come and i'm like yeah you know i have epilepsy and then about four of the five people i've told recently have been like oh my daughter has that where do you go for treatment i'm like oh okay yeah you know, and I'm going to make a deal with UCLA that for every person I refer, they get 50 bucks (laughs) because I send everybody there that I meet. But, um, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like one of those things where people just, like you said, they don't like talking about it. And for me, that's the first thing they learn right after my name. Every time I go to the library, I just tell them like, I can't get here, (laughs) you know, charge me all the late fees you want, but I can't get here. And they always don't charge me because you know, they're like, if she can't get here, she can't get here. Um, and you know, I, I say, I don't like to play the disability card, but sometimes you have to. Yeah. Like I need a chair. Here's my bracelet. It says I need a chair. Mm -hmm. You know, we went, we went on the cruise. Um, my best friend and I, she has fibromyalgia. So, uh, I'm not saying it's nice. She has it, but it's nice. She has it because she gets it, you know, like she gets that Austin and and stuff like that and we went to the mustard drill which god where they make you put on the life vest and you know all that fun stuff and um they sound the horns of the ship and stuff and um my surgeries made me so noise sensitive that i was crying because i couldn't handle the horns but we got to our muster station and i asked the you know the steward i was like 
I need to sit down. I was like, I just had brain surgery two months ago. I was like, I, and they're like, Oh, don't worry about it. Don't say anything else. I was like, I need to sit down. I was like, this is not safe for me to stand up this whole time. And I was like, can she come with me? You know, like I, it, I don't want her to stand by herself either. They're like, Oh yeah, of course. So some really, really rude old person looks at me and they're like, um, you're sitting in my seat. I'm like, no, 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 I'm sitting in my seat. And they're like, like, oh, what's wrong with you? And like, I pulled my, my hood down. I was like, see this scar? I was like, when we match, I'll switch seats with you. <laughs> I so wish I could have been there to see it. Oh, I, I can to- be a biatch if I need to be. <laughs> well, I went to a concert and, um, when I was there, I just couldn't stand up any longer. I'd been on my feet or two hours behind. And so I went up to the security guard and I said, I need to sit down. And they're like, okay. So I got my own chair, like, like by myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And people kept coming up to me going, what'd you do to get that? And I'd be like, bracelet. (laughs) Right. They, I I did that at my, the dropkick Murphy show. Um, I called ahead and I said, um, you know, um, there's going to be a mosh pit. I know that for Mm -hmm. sure. It's a punk band. So I'm like, you know, an Irish punk band at that. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) So um, I was like, you know, I I don't want to get kicked in the head. I really don't. I don't want to get punched in the head. I don't want to get pushed over. I I don't want to do with that. I was like, is there, you know, um, ADA seating? Because every venue is required to have those. Mm -hmm. So I said, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. There's a whole section. And the section is like stage right or something. So it's like right by the oh, stage. Oh, did that bother your hearing then? No, not too bad. I brought earplugs just in case. Advocating for yourself is also one of the important things you have to learn to do, especially if you have one of those invisible conditions. I've had a few battles of, on the Vancouver transit system because of that. People don't want to give up their disability seat to me because I look fine. You know, I get it all the time because, no, I don't look unhealthy on the outside, but, my God, do I feel like a graveyard on the inside, you know? I get really annoyed. Let's say I'm having a super bad day, and I have to go to Target. And they've got their nice little scooters. But guess what? I can't get one because there's somebody else who can't walk. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? I will I'll go up to the customer service and I say, I'm not trying to complain. However, you know, I have multiple sclerosis. I can't get, get around. And then the one time they're like, do you want us to go get your groceries for you? I'm like, no, I like to pick, I like to squeeze my own oranges. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't know, but that, that really life. irritates me. That irritates me. Me too. Or people that, I've had people be like, oh, I used my mom's handicap sticker for like a minute because I, I just needed to run in. I'm like, okay, so that little girl that needs to get by your car in a wheelchair because you parked there for five seconds, think about that when you go to bed tonight, you know? I think my doctor's going to make me get one next time I go, like the sticker. Um, I do because I can't drive. So they're like, oh, well, but should you be walking that far on concrete? I'm like, ah, probably not. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Dang. That, that's one of the big ones. They won't, my doctor's like, well, you can go check your mail uh, as long as someone's with you. And I was like, okay. Shut up. Really? Oh my gosh. They don't even walk my dog right now alone. I'm just like, <sighs> but granted teeth are a thousand dollars a piece almost. So it's okay. Yeah. One of the hardest things to do for us chronic warriors is to accept our situation. It can be a lifetime struggle to come to terms with it. 
It's just hard to get your head around the fact that you are not going to live out the life script that we all thought was our birthright. Um, I was really down on myself about epilepsy. Um, I was seeing all my friends and, you know, coworkers and, you know, peers, I guess you can say, or even my siblings working, functioning, um, doing what they're supposed to do, what, you know, everyone predetermines life to be. And yeah, quote unquote, what life is supposed to be. But um, then I was just, you know, I kept telling my doctor, I was like, I don't know who to talk to about this. And I, I was going to therapy and I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do anymore. And my new psychiatrist, my epilepsy psychiatrist um, suggested making an Instagram to vent. And I was like, I already have an Instagram, like my personal Instagram. And he was like, no, make specifically an epilepsy one. So I was like, okay. I was like, uh, this is going to be awkward. So I did it um, last January, and um, it, it's taken off pretty well so far, I'd think. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's kind of nice to be able to vent completely and not have to go into explanation on your personal page. I feel like more people are in my position and mindset, you know, thinking they're alone. They don't know where to go from there. You know, they can't even crack a joke about it because they're so depressed. And I just, I feel like, you know, personal experience mixed with, you know, dark sense of humor really has gotten me through this and just venting about it. So um, would you say that, like, doing this epilepsy advocacy on Instagram, um, like, you kind of, I don't want to say come out the other side, but you've, I mean, I still, I still have my dark days, yeah. you know, like I, I've been in that point uh, when I found out that they captured a seizure on my RNS uh, data, I was bummed. I was, I was just sitting in my bed, like crying, staring at the walls, you know, like my dog would like pop me. I'd be like, stop touching me. You know, like it was mm -hmm. one of those days, weeks. Um, but then I, you know, I ran to my epilepsy psychiatrist again who I'm thankful you know the people in the hospital at UCLA pushed me to talk to him because I was like eh, I don't want to do it again but um he suggested like going further he's like you know he's like you're behind the keyboard he's like but why don't you put your face on it and I'm like oh okay but after I did that first video I felt so much better like Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm not in a super dark spot anymore. And I, I can see all these other people going through dark spots too. So it's not just me having a tough time with it. It's, it's not fun to deal with in general. Um, well, some of the topics I ask for like opinions about what people want to, you know, talk about. Um, other stuff, I literally just, you know, walk around my house some days and I'm like, oh, suit up today. That sounds good. You know, mm -hmm. and um, or it'll be like two in the morning. I'll wake up and write a note down. I'm like, Oh, let's do that tomorrow. And <laughs> I just Google it for the most part. For some of it, I, um, I use personal experience, um, you know, but my personal experience is not going to be everyone's personal experience. So I can tell you what, you know, my side of it is and you know, what they put on the internet is not going to be everyone's personal experience either. So mm -hmm. That's just, you know, generalized facts. So I try to go to at least three different pages. I just, I just try to use, you know, even the epilepsy sites aren't 100% correct. I'm not going to lie. 
but they're, um, they're the closest thing to, you know, the word of God about epilepsy that I'd use. Mm -hmm. And they actually update their stuff every once in a while, unlike other sites, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying like, you know, I know better than them. I'm a doctor, but I'm like, how many people that work have epilepsy? How many, Mm -hmm. you know, are actually people that are speaking from experiences and expanding on that rather than someone like, oh yeah, I can take a nonprofit job. Yeah, the DC chapter is amazing. Um, I was trained as a social worker and um, the executive director is like, well, you have lived experience that's so valuable and Mm -hmm. you're trained as a social worker. So, you know. Yeah, if I get hired, then she's like, um, I would like to be able to like, like mold a specific um, role for you to give you your accommodations. Because like, look, I can't work an eight hour day, like, Mm -mm. I can't work 40 hours. No, it is. I would love to at the same time. But at the same time, I don't miss it. (laughs) Okay, down to the nitty gritty. The connection between mental health, stress, and chronic conditions. For me, stress plays a huge role in my well-being. Also, depression and anxiety are an unwelcome visitors as well. And now, over to Bree. Um, the trauma from my parents getting divorced when I was four or seven, I mean, when I was seven, because my dad and I were like super close, and then he just took off um, and started a new life, basically. Um, they think that's what caused it because I never recovered from it. So they think all the emotional, um, they don't have proof, but that's what all my doctors are leaning towards. Hmm. I've dealt with that. I've been trying to talk to my dad a little bit more, but we're just not one in the same. Let's put it that way. There you go. (laughs) It can be difficult to recover from those kinds of things. Yeah. I've been in therapy my whole life for it, but you know, one of the my things. kid, my kids are. They, they just think it's, you know, it's hard for them to deal with. You know, they've. My oldest has seen me have seizures like her whole life, oh, um, like and bad ones. She saw. She drove me to the um, hospital when I broke my foot, <sighs> and she only had her learner's permit. Um, and so, like, she's also saw. I took out a chunk of the wall in my kitchen good chunk and then I had like eight stables in my head they were home when that happened you know so Mm -hmm. it's it's those kinds of things and my oldest has had to like grow up more she's had to Mm -hmm. make lunches for her sister make dinner know how to do all these things that kids her age didn't do yeah and that's my brother my brother is technically younger than me but he is like my older brother like, he has to do all the errands, go shopping, you know. If mm-hmm. I'm home with him, he has to keep an ear out if I'm in the shower, you know. Like, mm-hmm. he's seen me have seizures. He's seen me have the one where I knocked my teeth out. He was outside with me, thankfully. But he tells me even today, he's like, I will never forget the sound of your skull bouncing off the concrete. He's like, I can just replay that sound over and over in my head. And I'm like, damn, you know. Like, he's had to grow up. Like, he, you know, he's 27. He's grown up but you know what I mean like way yeah, right. mature mature faster yeah, way more mature like than most guys I know even in their 30s you know so yeah, yeah and it's exactly. just it's just part of being part of the family and mm-hmm. you know it, it does help my daughters to go to therapy when I go it's usually 
the mental health side effects and then like relationships, not necessarily like, you know, dating relationships, things where I have massive trust issues with people like, ma- mm-hmm. like, you know, my own father. And then, you know, I'm like, who's going to be able to, you know, take care of me, you know, mm-hmm. who do I trust enough? You know, because I, I'll tell all my friends what to look for, but it's a matter of them seeing it and them not running out the room mm-hmm. and them actually knowing what to do. Because it does scare people. I've had that happen. I find that really interesting because when my seizures came back, I guess I was 21. They came back out of the blue. I was in college. I had to take a year off. And then one of my friends, Karen, I told, like, I like we'll tell her I'm like I would not have graduated if it wasn't for you like for mm-hmm. all of your support and all of your help and she's like no that's not true and I'm like yeah it is true because I burnt myself so badly people that um you know that just care enough to check on you they don't realize how much it means. <laughs> can you explain the device in your head can you kind of explain yeah, um, it's essentially um, a pacemaker for the brain. Uh, that is the best comparison. Um, it fits in the palm of my hand with extra room, and I wear like a size six shoe. So that should give you an idea of how small it is. Um, and it is in my occipital lobe on my right side. Um, it, you don't feel it at all, unlike the VNS. You can't feel it working. Um, but what it does is it is a constant EEG, essentially. And all day long, 24-7, it records what's going on in your brain. Um, and when it gets turned on, because mine is not turned on yet, um, if it senses seizure activity, it will send a pulse to try to stop the seizure from continuing or even happening eventually. So eventually it will learn what your brain does before a seizure, um, after a seizure, and while having a seizure, and it will stop it from happening. And the way it stops it from happening is there are prongs in different areas of the brain where the seizure activity is. I have four spots um, bilaterally, so on both hemispheres of my temporal lobe, and it reaches out to all the other places that are active during a seizure. And it will send a pulse to it, and it will stop it. But it takes up to two years for some people for it to be, um, you know, in cohorts with your brain. So it it takes a bit, but it will eventually be seizure free, ideally, or reduce your seizures to like, you know, 60 to 70%. My boyfriend and I have named the device in my head Matilda because of the the telekinetic powers, you know, from Matilda, the movie. Mm -hmm. So whenever I have like brain fog or a stupid moment, I'm just like, oh, sorry, Matilda's, you know, front and center right now. So Brie, do you get auras? No, I've had three my whole life. The fun term for the type of epilepsy I have is bilateral idiopathic temporal lobe epilepsy with status epilepticus and complex partial tendencies. (laughs) So funny name for the fancy name for that or the layman's term for that is I have temporal lobe epilepsy in both sides of my brain um that idiopathic meaning they have no idea where it came from i have no Mm -hmm. brain lesions or anything like that no one else in my family has it and i also have complex partial seizures i have status epilepticus and i have absence seizures (laughs) so 
Well, you know what, Bree, it's been great talking to you, but I think um, we need to wrap it up. Sita and I are just, you know, we, we're running out of time. We look forward to having you guys listen again. Uh, next week, we will be talking to a caregiver from the UK who has a son that has epilepsy as well as autism. We have a couple of sponsors. One is a rock and clothes producer who makes cool tees, sweatshirts, hats, and more which are all about living life to the fullest, with passion, spunk, and heart. They are found on Instagram. They are called at Diesel Dawn Low Brand. I'm often supporting the hat that says Warrior Hugs, which is my co-host Jamie's message on for the world. Check out the site for Warrior Hugs Apparel. We are also sponsored by New West TV, which is a community television organization in the Vancouver area, specifically New Westminster. Also, make sure you check out Bree at SoCal, that's S-O-C-A-L dot epilepsy on Instagram. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bree. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Have a good day.